are people that paid dearly for you and I to have the Bible that we read. I'll give you one example. On the 6th of October, 1536, William Tyndale was burnt at a stake. And you're talking about the church being persecuted. You've got to think on these guys. William Knox and John Knox, rather, John Whitecliffe, and others that you will pick up in history of the church. And all of them, they were killed not just the common killing that is happening now. It was gruesome. They would uh, organize parties at the stadium. And then their victim would be placed in the middle of the stadium, nailed to the cross, and then they will light the fire so that he can produce light for those that will be cheering it on. Talking about people being barbaric. But people like uh, William Tyndale are remembered fondly because his only mistake was that he translated the Bible into English. The only sin that he committed was that he was committed to Jesus Christ. Did not want to be bothered about what a neighbor was doing. He wanted to please God at all cost. And he paid the ultimate price. We know about the disciples. It's well documented how the Disciples were all killed. You won't find it in the Bible, but you will find it in the history of the church. And so I encourage you that when the day you open your Bible, you need to read this book as one that you should highly value because people have paid the price for you and I to be in this position. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus will emphasize that reality of who you are. And I would that you would take stock that you're not just a mere human being that is masquerading around the world and just hoping to find some value. I must emphasize that you are already valuable and it is not substance that uh, will make you valuable. It is not about position that makes you valuable. God has made you valuable already. Because uh, when we were without substance, God gave you his Holy Spirit. When you were in, uh, in, uh, in the reality, you had done nothing right or wrong. God breathed his life into you. He already placed value in you. But there are a whole lot of people that do not understand how valuable they are. You know, when I think about how long it took us to realize that, that we do carry value. You say, Lord, why didn't you inform me of that reality many years ago? I would have done so much better. I would have been more into my books in school. The little of education that I was able to get because of the extreme poverty. I could have done maybe a little. I would have applied myself a little better. 
I would have understood that uh, uh, entertaining friends that were not friends was only costing me money. It wasn't adding value to me, but we thought if we invite a certain people, then we will be accepted in the, in, uh, in the community that we were in, or the, the friends, or supposed to be friends that were around us, only to find that they devalued you at every given opportunity they had. And yet when we came to Jesus Christ, you knew then that as one that was unbiased in his love for you. Because uh, before you were even in your mother's womb, he already paid the price for you. He took such an absolute chance that you might reject him. It didn't matter because the seed, the sower went out to sow a seed. And some fell in difficult places. But the sower did not take that into account. The only account he took it seriously was that that seed will finally find a fertile soil. And it will produce. And I will say this here, not as an offering statement. If you will read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, you will find that uh, uh, he speaks about uh, the seed. He speaks about uh, giving. And I began to realize that our giving must not, uh, that uh, we give because we want to get our giving must be that uh, we are uh, adhering to a principle. We are, we are simply staying to the principle. The principle that says uh, sow and you will reap. And that is not restricted to money. It is, in, in your, it is uh, the thing that must order your life. That whatever you sow, you will get back. You will get back. You will get back. And much more than what you, you, you need to read it. <clears throat> Don't know, maybe we'll get to it. But uh, Jesus will say in uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. Establishing the principle that we need to adhere to. He says, you are the salt of the earth. It doesn't say maybe you could become that. He says you are. Why? Because he knows what he has placed inside of you. He knows that his word will never come back to him void. It shall accomplish that which is sent it out to do. He is so confident of what he's speaking about. He doesn't have faith because he is faith himself. He just, just simply speaks the word. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his saltiness, where which shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing. The church needs to come or bring herself into that position of knowing who we are. That in any bland situation, we bring taste to it. I can smell food that hasn't got salt. The unfortunate part is that uh, I am never satisfied with food that hasn't got salt. I can eat a pot full, but I'll still be hungry when I'm done with it. I don't know what happens, how it happens, but I cannot eat food without salt. Verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. In other words, when you have the grace of God inside of you, you cannot hide it. Amen. You can be in the midst of profane people. You can try and join them and become just like them with your profanity. But boy, oh boy, you know. 
You know you don't belong to that company. That is why when you come home, you want to capsize everything in the house. Why? Because you are guilty. You know that you have thrown away your hope in Christ Jesus. You have moved away from your calling. He says, verse 16, he says, let your light shine before men. Yes, before men, your light must shine. It doesn't mean that you go blabbering about your salvation. He says, be the salvation. Be the message. Not about your preaching. It is about being. Your position in Christ needs to become visible more than your, your, your talking. Pastor Thamo says, the more you talk, the more foolishness uh, you become. He says, I know when I see foolishness. Just open your mouth and I'll tell you. <laughs> says, talk less. And let your life be the message. That's what he was emphasizing. And verse 17, just in case you think that is Old Testament stuff, you must remember that Matthew was a bridge between the old and the new. And so most of it is based on explaining the transitioning from the Old Testament into the grace of God. He says, verse 17, he says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And in 18, it says, For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till everything be fulfilled. <laughs> so, he's saying nothing is going to change. What the law and the prophets spoke about, nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change until all of it is fulfilled. And right now, not everything is fulfilled. Not every tribe and every nation has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so even the words that we speak today are being measured. And they are being installed in somebody's memory bank. Yesterday I had two. But you said... But you said, I said, what did I say? He said, well, you remember when there was that rude man in the church? What you said about him? He said, I'm going to say just the first part. And I had to say, please remind me because I don't know what you're talking about. That was Jordan. He says, don't you say, if there is a person that is obnoxious, if there's a person that is grating you on the wrong side, that he is only there to teach you patience. But oh my Lord, did I actually say that? Yeah. That was many years ago. Maybe two years back. He still remembers. That, uh, anyway. My reaction at that time wasn't very kind. And then I had another one last night. We had to question with a young man about uh, the things that are not pleasing to his family. He said, now, okay, explain yourself. Why are you being the way you are? So he said, well, thankfully, I have right here on my phone what I said. And he read it out to us. So I said, you know, just treat carefully. He said, but you said. If we do not know how to speak to principalities, if we do not uh, 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 speak even in uncomfortable places, we have lost the right to represent God. 
Okay. And to back that portion of scripture or that thing that, uh, that I said, I had to look and say, God, how can I explain this? How do I see that, uh, how is our saltiness proven? think it's uh, Acts chapter, chapter 7. There's a young man who got himself arrested. And they asked him, what do you have to say in your defense? And he will begin uh, at the Old Testament and he will take them uh, through the Old Testament in defense of why he believes in Jesus. Stephen. He lays out the Old Testament and, you know, he will take them to Egypt, how Joseph was taken there, how in the end they went there to receive sustenance through their time of definement. That even though you have wronged in the land or in the space that God has placed you, God will remove you and put you that side so that he can prepare the ground again, so that he can bring you back again in your place for you must fulfill your assignment. But of course we know that Stephen in, uh, earned himself death at his stand for the truth. He was stoned. But in his stoning, there was a young man who also stood by the law and he wanted to see all things that, are, that were pertaining to the law to stay in effect. If the scripture tells us that Paul was, Saul was standing one side and watching while they were stoning Stephen. But here was the man of the salt of the earth. While he was being stoned, he was busy blessing. He was busy praying that God will not hold the deed of what they were doing against him. Which same Paul would later on say in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 9, uh, chapter 10. He says, uh, we are cursed, but we bless. He now comes into that place where uh, uh, Stephen was. You see, Stephen uh, did not seek revenge. He knew that God uh, is the one that judges uh, whether he lives or dies. He left his life to God and he would look up while they are busy smacking him with stones. And he will see the heavens open and the glory of God filling his life. So glorious was his death that Saul saw all this here. How do you think he got saved? He was such a menace to society that nobody dared to go to him and say, you're a sinner, you need to get saved. He had to see it by God's divine appointment. He will go from there and go and uh, get letters again to go and say, we need to go now to Damascus and go and sort these people out. They are transgressing the law. And he would later on say, people when they heard that he got saved were scared of him still. He, he, he had to be a man that struck fear. 14 years down the line, they still feared the man.
He says, I heard people say the one that used to do damage to the church is now also speaking about the way. Why? He saw the glory of God being demonstrated on a person that should have been so angry, should have been screaming curses at those that were stoning him. But rather he was blessing. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In a a place of total darkness, your light should shout, uh, uh, your light should shine forth. That it is unmistakable that you are more than just a mere mortal. How is your conditioning? How are you conditioned? In your thinking capacity. You know, I, I, I see the birth of Jesus. Not everybody in jewelry at that time knew about the coming Messiah. Therefore, when Jesus was born, not many knew about it. Why? Because they never studied their Torah. And so they were expecting nothing. And if I saying if I say the church, it is a, it is her best defining moment right now. But if you do not study the Bible, you do not understand the world events that are taking place. I in Scripture, you will never understand then how to pray. You will never know how to pray that uh, uh, God intervenes in our time today because uh, the the conditioning that we spoke about last week, it is becoming more and more evident that the church is being made to drift away from godliness. That we have been hijacked because uh, most of the time you listen even on television. All they will tell you about is uh, uh, give your money and then God is going to double your trouble in, uh, in, uh, in blessing you so much that you won't even know what to do with it. But there's not a time when they say come back to God. Come back to God. When you are in God, you will know what is coming next. That is what we are told. The Holy Spirit would let us know what is coming next. He will prepare us. Why? Because we are standing in readiness. Why? We are expecting that uh, there will be a falling away. Right now, the church is falling away from godliness. It is. But if you don't know that scripture, you don't understand, you are busy waiting for the rapture to take place so that you can run away from here. But I tell you what, you are going to come right back here. Who do you think this, uh, this earth is, uh, is created for? It's created for God's righteous rule. You can't run away and say, well, the earth must become chaotic. Let those that are in, well, enjoy the things that we have. That was a foolishness that we were taught in, uh, back then in the 1980s. I mean, even my brother-in-laws were ready to even possess my, uh, 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 what we used to call those things? I was going to say uh, hi, yeah, hi-fi. Yeah, the hi-fis. With all our big records like that. Why? Because they say, oh, you're going to church now. You're going to be so holy. You don't, you're not going to need these things. Yeah, these things are of the world. 
Not understanding that uh, even the angels knows how to play the instruments. That is where they got it from in the first place. Those things were created for God's worship. But we have, uh, we have pushed it one side and say it's of the world. It is demonic. Why? The demons have just taken it up and remained true to it and just diverted it to worship something else. Supposed to worship God with those instruments. But if you have no understanding that you are here for a purpose, very difficult to really, really stay in that calling. Very difficult to stay connected. And we need to connect church because we need those that are going to know how to pray. We're going to have to learn how to pray. We've got to learn how to pray. Not to pray in fear, not to name and claim. It is staying in, uh, in, uh, in line. You know, Paul says, uh, I, uh, I have learned to be content with those things that God has called me to. I am not trying to run and become somebody else or run in somebody else's lane. He says, I have learned, I've learned to stay in what God has called me to. I'm not going to try and be everything to everybody. I'll stay true to what God's calling is for my own life. In fact, I find it even more so, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I think it's verse 13. Paul says, let me just read it. 1 Corinthians 13. 4, sorry, 4 verse 13. But uh, we'll have to put it into context. He writes to the church in Corinth. And they are going through an extreme uh, disagreement. And uh, he's in, uh, in verse 6, he says, listen, I have come to a conclusion that the things are causing division in your midst. I've decided that uh, Apollos and I are going to take it upon ourselves to demonstrate it to you so that you do not get hung up on things that you have no understanding of. Verse 9, it says, For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. In other words, it says that for an apostle, it will be hopeless to become ambitious because you come last. But by that, he is not uh, killing his position, he's establishing a reality. He says, for we are made to be a spectacle to the world and to angels and to men. He says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honor, honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. We labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it, or we permit it. We allow your buffeting. Why? Because we want to teach you a lesson. He says, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as a filth of the world 
and are of the offscouring of all things, even to this day. I had to think deep about this word offscouring. We are of the offscouring, even of all things, even to this day. And I had to think about the offscouring. What is the offscouring? Offscouring it is that which when you cook and it gets stuck at the bottom of your pot and you got to scrub the thing out and throw it away. Paul is establishing a fact and a reality. And I want you to hear me and hear me carefully. The offscouring, that which you throw away, it is at the bottom of, your, of the pot, right? What I want you to understand, that which you might be rejecting, that it is the same thing that keeps that which is on top of that cork uh, and the fire, that it will be the apostles that will come in your midst and become a buffer between the heat to preserve that which must stay on top that is able to feed your house. Paul is saying do not uh, uh, despise uh, those that are putting their lives uh, to protect you. Do not despise uh, those that are praying for you. You might not know who's praying for you, but I tell you what, somebody is praying for you. And you need to watch carefully. It might be just that person that you are irritated with right now. And it could be just the very person that is, uh, uh, there is somewhere where Paul is, uh, says that uh, um, if there's somebody that is uh, offended, I burn more. In other words, uh, the more I see somebody offended, uh, the more I spend time before God, uh, seeking God's face, uh, that God will add value into their lives. Open their eyes to open their eyes. There's lots of things that, that uh, we do not see but God has placed somebody in your life uh, that is praying for you. I wish I would hear an amen at this time. Amen. Honestly, you need to think seriously. There is somebody, might not even know your name, but God has highlighted your face before them and they remember you day and night before God. Do not throw away the grace of God that has been bestowed upon you. <clears throat> Verse 14, he says, I write not these things just to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. As the Germans will say, I warn you. I warn you. We had a crazy German that uh, when we were doing our apprenticeship, if you did not get his job on time for him, you were likely to hear thunder in the brightest of days. There was a time that we were supposed to make door frames for him and the door frames were not made on time. I mean, they, they were planed and everything, they just needed to be rebated. You know, the slot where the door will fit in. And he called one of the workers and uh, asked him, you know, you must help him. And as Begane was standing on that side to pull the plank, uh, oh, Jan Kruger uh, didn't press the thing against the, the cutter and the thing jumped. And uh, with the jumping, of course, it, because it had sharp edges, it bumped into his hands. And Jan Kruger grabbed the four-pound hammer and he went and on Begane. Says, you didn't hold the thing, that's why I got hurt. I warned you, come and help me. That was a crazy day. But he was a good man at the end of the day. He just had a constant headache. Constant. And so, verse 14, he says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. 
And verse 15, he says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet not many have fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul took his apostleship not as a title that he was a man. He took his responsibility as one that would nurture each person personally. It wasn't, uh, I have sons. He had a son. They were personal with him. It was personal. It was personal. He says, wherefore I beg you, verse 16, be followers of me. He was so confident. So confident. In another place he says, even as follow me, is even as I follow Christ. It didn't say as I hear that bishop say this year, as I hear that pastor say this year, then I follow that cue. He says, no, I take my cue from Christ. said, I am ready to fulfill everything that was left behind. I think it's in Galatians. That was left behind in Christ. He wanted nothing uh, that uh, Christ or uh, Jesus did not fulfill while he was on the earth. said, if you find anything lacking, bring it to me. I am ready to execute on that. Yeah, I think that should be enough for the day. I think that should stand you in good stead. Should stand you in good stead. We need to know our position in Christ. We have to. Don't read the Bible just to say, well, uh, I can mark the register that I read the Bible. I need to read the Bible and adhere to what it says to me. You don't need somebody to come and prophesy over you. A Bible prophesies enough over you. It's there. It's just that you, uh, you, you, haven't, be, you haven't read what, uh, uh, you haven't prayed and say, Lord, you need to lead me in your word. What is it that is, uh, that is for me today? That I can take it as, uh, as my medicine for the day. That as my vitamin to keep me alive in this day. How can I remain God conscious? So that when things happen around me, I know how to call on God first. I wonder how many of you, when you see a situation happening, you say, where, where more, where more? Or you can truly say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are in our midst. Right now, even that car that is floating out of course, you stop it in the name of Jesus. You send your angels ahead of us and you hold the thing back. Hey, there's no time for that when an accident happens. It's either it is in your bank or it's not there. Things happen too quickly. I've been in two accidents. It happens too quickly. I'm just saying this year, you know, I know some people say they, or they say a long prayer when it's happening. On both accidents, I had no chance. Nothing. The first car, I just remember the thing going like this here. And next thing I, I wake up, I'm hanging over the seat of the car like that. And I'm looking for Eloise in the car. There's no Eloise.
She was outside. How she got there, I've got no idea. The windows are closed, except the back uh, uh, glass was blown out by the bread crate that was on the back seat. How all those things happen, I've got no idea. The car had flipped five times like that. I don't know. Some say, well, I saw the stars and then I saw the grass. Lord, I saw nothing. I saw nothing. All I know is that I think somehow I saw darkness and I'm thinking, am I dead? And then some of my, my eyes opened. Okay, there's a car seat, but how come I'm hanging on top like that? don't know how I got, I mean, I'm sitting facing this way. When the accident ends, I am, my feet are hanging on, the, my legs are on the back. My head is hanging over here. How? I don't know how those things happen. It's too quick. But God had mercy. The second accident, it happened very quietly. I wasn't even speeding. Car just went crazy. Hit a trailer of, uh, by the breweries there. The mounting on the seat of that vehicle broke. Bolts, high tensile steel broke. What impact was that? for the purpose of saving my legs. If that seat never broke, my leg would have been broken. Was I a prayerful fellow at that time? I'm telling you, Pomoroi kept me on my knees before God. I don't think I prayed ever in those years, 1991 and 1994. I don't think I prayed as earnestly as I prayed that time. I had a whole lot of things happening. A whole lot of things. But God used at that time also for some refinement in my own life. I've learned to appreciate things much more. I've realized that... Uh, even in your darkest hour, God is there. Amen. And so, I'm not saying be fearful. All I'm saying is stay on the right side with God. And God will protect you. He doesn't have to make a plan at the time. His purpose will be fulfilled in your life. Amen. <clears throat> okay, just going to read that portion of scripture then in, because uh, I, I think I need to help you in, the, in your journey as far as your giving is concerned. Because I think our giving defines our trust in God. I think it was two years ago, I made a decision which I must warn every young person. Make sure you've got a good pension. Make sure you do not cash in your pension too early. Wait for your old age. Battle now if you have to but keep up with your pension. Must keep up with your pension. And so two years ago, I think I made a decision that every uh, available money I have, I will pay, place it into what I will say it's my pension money. Because during that time of losing all those cars, I also lost a huge amount of money that 
supposed to have come through when I was 55. I should have been sitting at home now on my rocking chair. But that all disappeared because of my foolishness, because I would listen. I thought I knew too much. Against all honorable advice, I went ahead and done that which I shouldn't have done. But Paul then writes at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, for as touching the ministering, the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write it to you. For I know the willingness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achai was ready a year ago and your zeal has provoked very many. Yet have I sent a brethren lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf. Uh, that I said you may be ready. You know, Paul says, you know, you are so willing to help the saints. But I didn't want to take a chance, just in case uh, to them that have been boasting about you, that the church in Achai, man, they get ready a year. They prepare their gift and have it ready a year ahead. He says, but just in case I come with these other guys and they come there and find, oh my goodness, they forgot they are tithing. He says, I'm sending ahead that they might prepare you to make you ready. Verse 6, he says, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. <clears throat> as I say, when we sow a seed, we're only establishing a principle. We stay on that principle. It's not about giving 10 rands and then I know I'll get 100 rands after that. It is just establishing a principle. And that principle keeps you on an even keel. And God is able to make all grace abound. Say all grace. All grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, does, both ministers bread to, for food and multiplies your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for you and multiplies your seed and increases the fruit of your righteousness. Be enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of the service not only supplies the want of the saints but is Abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. So in other words, those that you help, they pray for you as well. And uh, you can, uh, you know, just peruse that. Just read it. And then you can come to understand chapter 12. Where Paul says, I once knew a man. Get to understand where he comes from to have come to that conclusion. Then you can also understand why he says, uh, uh, when I got all these revelations, I was given a thorn in my flesh. 
so that I would learn not to boast. That was the thorn in his flesh. Says, I was given the angel of Satan to come and buffet me so that I will remain wanting God, wanting more of God, so that God will send his reinforcements. But his reinforcement causes me to abound or to grow in grace more and more. Amen? I think all of us want to get there. But sometimes we just don't know the way how to get there. And the way to get there, you cannot pay your tithes and not read your Bible. I'm not saying you're paying your tithes is going to offset not reading your Bible or not praying. It all works together. All works together. You can't read the Bible and say, well, I've read so much, I don't need to bring my offering. <laughs> you know, don't shortchange yourself. God is able to multiply. You know, I, I, as I said, I, I lost everything in those uh, three years I was in Pomeroy. I considered then that as a loss. But in Christ, I gained. And so God is able to make all things. I mean, this uh, shutdown really brought our finances way low. But we are not starving. We are not behind in any uh, installments. And actually, I started smelling a new car again. I don't have money to buy it, but who needs money to buy a car? When I have faith in God, I know that he will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If I need one, of course. If I want one, it's another matter. I'll pay for it. But when I need it, God is able to make all grace about. Yeah. Before I retire, I'll have to buy a new car. It's only a given. I'll have to do that. I'll have to. Well, you know, when you're old, you can't walk, so you need a car. Come on, give me grace here. But uh, even as we partake of the Lord's table, you come once again and ratify your communion with God. And uh, let, let this be your cleansing as well. And a reaffirmation that the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross fell on good ground. And if it is on good ground, it will always produce a seed for the sower. Must produce seed. Must continue. Uh, to bring forth that which God has placed inside of you. And so come with your gifts, place over here, come to the table of, of the Lord, let us partake. Amen? All right, God bless you.